Pretty Mental is about accepting our full selves and inspiring others to do the same by being daringly unfiltered. This means completely normalizing all things mental health and the wild journey that has brought us here. We are challenging the stigmatization of normal human suffering, and we are done pretending and subscribing to the notion that it is taboo to have challenging mental health experiences. Welcome to the Pretty Mental Health Club, and enjoy the show. Hey, Valentina. Hey, Paula. And hello, everybody. And welcome to another episode of Pretty Mental. So on today's podcast, we sat down and we talked about the importance of rest and reclaiming our right, our born right to resting and how it really is something that has been conditioned out of us. And why that goes hand in hand with remembering that we are worthy, that we are truly valuable beyond what we are producing, how much money we're making, how many things we have, uh, just reclaiming our humanity. And we also talked about being there for the people that we really, that we love as we move through the ups and downs of being human and how best to be there for them without losing ourselves in their struggles. Cause it's so easy when you really care about someone to jump back, to jump, try to jump into their experience. Well, yeah, I mean, it's painful when you see somebody that you love going through pain. So, you know, and we're always going to come across that as long as we're human on this earth. So, if, you know, some best practices to yes. put into place as we do this. We love you guys. We're excited for you to hear this one. And as always, let's take a deep breath together. And press play. Hello, hello. It's another Monday in pretty mental land. What's up, Paula? Not much, Valentina. Just integrating back into regular life. Something I realized that I had never really thought about traveling in this way was that, you know, when with psychedelic medicine growing, a lot of the, the research around it strongly, I mean, you kind of have to, if you want to use it as medicine, you have to really prioritize integration after you take the trip. And it's, I found it a really interesting parallel that after coming back from a physical trip, I felt like I had to integrate. And we usually always do, but just because of everything we've learned about integrating from in a psychological way after the psychedelic trips, um, as the research shows, it kind of stood out to me even more. We and usually integrate after a physical trip? No, after you... After you take, um, when you do a psychedelic journey. Okay, I thought you were referencing when we also do it physically. No, mm. when you do a psychedelic journey, yeah. you have to really prioritize integration or else you're not really going to be able to get much out of the medicine, the lessons that the medicine brought you. And it feels very similar for me when I travel or go, or go on vacation. When I'm in, because traveling essentially for me puts me in a deep state of rest 
and that rest, having no agenda, having no schedule, just kind of going with the flow of things, it opens up space for new insights to come through. It really does, especially the way that I like to go about it, which is very slow paced. And then coming back here. Um, so before you go into that, what does integration for people who don't know what that is look like? Oh, integration within the psychedelic research realm means you when you have a psychedelic journey, uh, you're you become very open and you become very vulnerable. So a lot of lessons and a lot of messages come through when you're in that altered state of consciousness. However, when you come back into that state of consciousness, it's really into a, into a regular state of consciousness, ordinary state of consciousness. It's really, really important that either with a facilitator, ideally, or you're somebody that has experience with integration, you're able to process through the insights that you had and address how they can, you can continue to nurture these insights in your regular life with your ordinary state of consciousness so that the messages don't just get lost and so that you can merge the two worlds. So it's not just a, it's not just a situation where, you take psychedelic medicine and that was that's one experience and then regular life is another experience that loses the whole purpose. And that could honestly be really traumatic because you have this very open, loving, insightful trip and then when you come back to this consciousness, things are different. There's not as much love everywhere. There's a little more darkness, ha- darkness yeah. and hate. So trying to balance and it can often result in people wanting to not even be here. Yeah, they, they want to escape back again to that world to that. Yeah, to that world where things are. I mean, and don't get me wrong in psychedelic trips, you have challenging experiences. But overall, the amount of vulnerability that you're able to come into and the way at which the medicine opens you up to do it is not something that you can always feel comfortable doing in this reality unless you really learn the lessons that that vulnerability showed you so that you can figure out how you can embody that vulnerability in a way that still cultivates strength because you really have to find a balance between both in order to be human so when I go on a real physical trip or travel in this reality again you're in a different place you're in you're embodying a different space you're not in a different when you're having a new experience exactly you're having a new experience and exposing your mind to new um stimuli new sights yeah and new energy and when you do that it allows your mind to open up and new insights to come through you're able to view your life your regular life from a different perspective you're able to view world the world from a different perspective. Usually, ideally, a more open-hearted, refreshed perspective. And we want to be able to take these nourishing experiences that we allow ourselves to have and bring them back into our regular life or else it really just becomes, oh, I take a vacation once a year and then the rest of my life I'm just kind of white-knuckling through daily life, waiting for the next vacation to come. Which is literally the concept of waiting for Friday to come. Yeah. And it's uh, that concept of integration is so interesting because it, it applies just across the board. If we go, if we have a day, if we have a good experience with friends, that joy and the pleasure that we have then, how can we bring elements, how can we still keep elements of that with us 
the next day. And how can we cultivate spaces to separate ourselves from our thoughts and from words in order to really let our mind settle and to let ourselves be in the present moment, which is what happens a lot when we, when we are on vacation. Yeah, well, vacation is essentially using pleasure as medicine. That's the idea of vacation. It's, oh, I'm just going to let my body relax and I can do whatever I need to. And your nervous system is allowed to reset. But yeah, I'm going to eat good food, listen to good music. Yeah, absolutely. People, other people are cooking for me. I don't even have to wash dishes. Or you can cook if that's what makes you happy. (laughs) Or you can cook if that's what makes you happy. Whatever it is, you're just usually a way low, much lower pressure version of your life you're literally you're just, just doing the things that make you happy you're, you're literally just doing the things that make you happy so it's pleasure as medicine how can we grab that and integrate and not lose it because obviously in my daily life I can't it's not all about pleasure I gotta put some effort into it sometimes I gotta work out sometimes working out it doesn't always feel super good I love the work that I do and at the same time, it requires a certain kind of focus. It's not just a free flowing whenever I want. I'll call this client. It has to be on a schedule. So there's more there's more structure around all of it. You can't be as free flowing. All that to say, this is the first time that I've come back from a trip and been very felt very conscious of how important it was or it it, it would be for me to make sure that the insights and the experiences that I had are able to stick with me. So that the chaos of, or if there is chaos when you come back, or the chaos of life, the curveballs of life don't completely throw you for a loop. So that they can continue to nourish you. So it, it doesn't have to just be, oh, I only feel that way when I'm on vacation. Like, I need to make sure that I feel good most of my life. That's important to me. So, okay, I'm not in a five-star hotel, but now I can go back to my art practice. Now I can fill my room with beautiful colors. Now, instead of getting pleasure from just going with the flow of my own schedule, let me just now focus on pleasure from enjoying moments with friends and family. And how can I find moments to rest and and let yourself physically heal and mentally heal and emotionally heal while you're here? Yes. And not forget how that shift, how a shift in routine and a shift in environment and a shift in um, experiences is medicine. So, for example, the other day when I was in the in our at our place and I'd finished up with clients and I was a little stressed out and you were like, go for a walk. And I was like, "Okay, all right, I'll go for a walk. I'm not usually a walker. Y'all, Paula goes on five-minute walks. It's crazy. (laughs) It's crazy to me because this this is going to sound even more crazy. I go on like four-hour walks. Valentina goes on four-hour walks. (laughs) My mom said I used to do that when I was little too, and I don't even remember that. I don't think they were four hours, maybe more like one or two. But I, I love, love walking. That's something that I personally associate with elders. Just, yeah, I know. I do. Me too. And I can't help but feel like one whenever yeah. I, I love sitting on my stoop and cloud gazing and I love walking. So I just feel like I'm just going to like slide right in to my older years. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I don't think much of your lifestyle is going to change, to be honest. 
So I went on a walk and I took extra time and extra care to really look at all the flowers and let the environment delight me and let it surprise me and really come into communion with the experience of taking that walk, looking at the clouds, looking at the sunset, even looking at the people and just letting myself be fully present with that. And it's so important to remember that traveling teaches us how to be present, but we can't rely on that to only be present because especially right now during COVID times, you can kind of get away for a trip sometimes, but you still, you got to be careful. It's not, it's just, it's not realistic. You're not going to be on trips every week. So it's important to figure out how we can make the environment that we're in remain novel for us. And it does require getting off of autopilot. And part of that goes in, requires allowing yourself plenty of rest, even if you are back in your normal life. Rest is not something that we should only be prioritizing when we're on vacation. Rest is so important. I just can't even grasp how I used to function pre-corona with old jobs where I would wake up at 5 a.m., go work out, a really intense workout, and then I would like load up on coffee and then I would go straight to work, hustle from like 8 to 5, come home at 5 and barely be, have any energy to do anything else, to even think, and I would just be exhausted, then do it all again. And that to me is just, that is not life. That is wild. And I don't think I was the only one doing that, you know? I pretty, that's a pretty common story. That yeah. is not life. No. A, this pandemic brought a lot of sad things for sure. But it also has been a bit of a blessing for the people who have been able to really slow down to see that, holy shit, there, there's a new way, a new path going forward. And it is not hustling my life away what is that for trisha hersey the founder the nat bishop the nat bishop of the nat ministry we love her she's amazing she talks about how moving at that pace all the time and now not allowing yourself any rest is literally an act of violence it is against your body there was this i was listening to a podcast with her today that i sent to paula it's for the wild, if you guys are interested. We can, we can link to it. Yeah. And she said, to not rest is being violent with your body. To align yourself with a system that says, your body doesn't belong to you. Keep working. You are simply a tool for our production. To align yourself with that is a slow spiritual death. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly in the society that we live in. We're all tools for production unless we are actively questioning that mechanism of living. Mm -hmm. And it's so true that to get in touch with your soul and to get in touch with the deeper parts of your heart, of who you are, of life, you have to be able to slow down. You have to be able to slow down. So, you know, when I was at the ocean, I would just sit there for like, hours sometimes and literally just stare at the ocean now I'm here so I'll I sit on the couch and I will just stare at a projection of the ocean at a projection of the ocean <laughs> or the trees outside but I do the I do the projection of the ocean thing too and 
just surrounding yourself with things that kind of slow down your nervous system that bring you back into this moment. And we always say nature is a super powerful way to do that. It's one of the main lessons and teachings that nature is here to give us because nature just exists. It literally just does. It's not thinking a million thoughts a second. It's just being. And so if we can rely on it and turn to it for guidance on being and on slowing down, it can be one of the, I mean, the most powerful teacher that we can have. It's so important to just really slow down and question the system that we live in. If not, you can really harness or you can really start having feelings of, oh, I'm lazy if I want to rest or God, I want to rest, but I'll feel guilty because I'm not producing. Yeah. And that is really a narrative that is pretty pervasive in this society. And I know I used to feel guilt whenever I was not working because I always felt like, oh, I could be doing more. I could be making more money. I could be doing more towards a goal. I could be because the people that I would listen to and I'm not, you know, Gary Vee and Tom Billion, all they're great. But at a certain point, it's. I mean, it can be pretty violent towards your body to constantly be promoting, I'll sleep when I'm dead. And, you know, Beyonce has the same number of hours in a day as you do. Why aren't you doing that? It's it's basically telling you that your body is here to constantly produce, regardless of, regardless of if you need to rest, regardless of what your literal biology or physiology is asking of you. Or else you have no worth. Or else you have no worth. And so that's something that I come up against all the time in my practice with clients is this narrative that is so woven into our modern psyche that our value as a human is dependent on what we have to offer others. And something that came through for me in that discussion was that when we see a baby and when a baby's born, when it's, when it's an infant, we all just love it. That baby's not doing anything for anyone. That baby is pooping and vomiting all day and we still love it. That baby's pooping and vomiting all day. It's just, and it's a ball of energetic love. Yeah. The miracle of its existence in and of itself is enough to, it deserves all the love in the world. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need to do anything to get that love it just exists that's all that babies do and that's who we are we're all that baby that's how we all started the world it's still us it's still that same energy the same soul that same being existing it just got a little bigger so when did the narrative change and when did we start to get brainwashed into believing that our only value is dependent on what we can produce. I mean, it makes sense. It makes so much sense because, all right, when we hit a certain age, what do we do then? We go straight to a school filled with systems. We get there at 8 a.m. or 9 a.m., whatever time the school starts. And then from this time to this time, we do this. This time to this time, we do this. This time to this time, we do this. Everything is completely based off of a clock, and there's no actual time to really just do nothing. I mean, maybe we have recess, but we're, we're living in a place where there's so many rules and there's structures and there's homework and there's, 
you know, a one system for all types of beings, regardless of how you learn and how you function. This is how you're going to follow the rules. And if you can't learn how we learn, we're going to give you an F. And basically, you're a bad student and you're never going to get a job and you're not going to be able to produce. And it's it's all of these messages that are thrown at us. So then we have to really learn to conform to this system And then that's when we experience all of the shame and guilt for wanting to just like be human, literally, because it doesn't go for a walk. It doesn't fit into this system that we were born in. The system that we live in, it was built 100 percent off of slave owners, off of the white supremacy. Right. So unless you sit there and you actually really question, hold on, hold on. What am I feeling guilty about? This system that I am like I'm living in and I'm working out of who created it and what was the ideology behind the creation of it? And unless you start actually questioning, well, of course, you're going to feel guilty because you're going to think it came from God. Life has always been this way. This is what the universe calls for. This is what we're supposed to do when we hit a certain age. You're supposed to produce. But unless you're like, um, no, no, actually, no. This is slave owners. This is how they started the system of you're going to be out in the field and you're going to constantly produce. And no matter what, of course, you're going to you're going to feel like you constantly have to be producing and you can't rest Mm -hmm. bodies as machines 100 percent. bodies as machines this journey of healing is all about coming back to our humanity and that's going to require being very intentional around the boundaries that we have when it comes to giving people access to our time and when it comes to giving the media and technology access to our consciousness So it's kind of like taking ownership of all of that back and knowing what your body responds well to. So it might be something like, I'm not going to respond to an email after 6 p.m. No matter what. No matter what. It might be actively seeking out a company that values your humanity. The problem right now is that people... And those exist, but people are in such desperate positions for employment, a lot of people are, that they're just taking whatever they can get. You know, something I was thinking about was that we, for the majority of human history, and you guys have heard me say this on the podcast before, we're hunter-gatherers. So we're literally just walking and traveling to a bunch of different places. So there's no surprise when we think about that context that we respond so well to novel environments and it brings into the present you would it, it based on that line of thinking we're wired for that and the machine wants us just operating in one way every single day no matter the circumstances no matter what's going on you're a machine it's crazy though because we do live in a society that 100 percent tells you that everything that's going to make you happy is external everything i mean if you want instagram that's essentially what that is you're looking at all these people who have all these things or are living a certain way of life. And, and that's why they look so happy. But it doesn't tell you to consistently go inward, to slow down, to drop the narrative and the stories your mind is making up, to rest, to relax. But that's really when you feel really rich. That's when you just feel whole. Some people do perpetuate that narrative on social media. So part of this rest is resistance movement that uh, the Nat Bishop started is also going to include being very conscious of the accounts that we follow. Yeah. 
and what we're feeding our mind and knowing that if we are following accounts that are perpetuating that like materialistic incessant drive you can play with it it's fun to play with it's fun to play with it's fun to play with cool outfits and having you know your hair cool and things like that but it's just about if we're gonna do that then keep perspective yeah I mean no on the reality that that's not where happiness is yes because it's not realistic to say like everyone is just gonna stop caring and we're not gonna take we're not gonna um care about the outfits that we wear you know that's not true no and I don't think that that that's definitely not what I'm trying to say so if it sounds like that that's not what I'm trying to say my main thing is a lot of what we do see on Instagram is and even in the self-care world especially in the self-care world is telling you that you need to buy all of these things in order to facilitate and enable your empowerment and really what you need to do is decondition yourself you don't need to keep adding things on. You need to start taking things away. Yeah. Go sit in a park. If nothing else, go plant your booty on the grass and just stare up at the clouds. I mean, it's just something so simple. Like self-care can just be something so simple as literally sitting outside and staring at nature. Just leave the phone inside. I mean, at this point, it's literally an act of rebellion. It's an act of trust to say, you know what? Leaving everything aside. All I'm taking with me is my key. And pepper spray. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. See? Got to find a middle ground. And I'm going to go. I'm going to go and just be for a little while. So if we can kind of show our body how to slow down and invite these embodiment practices, essentially. It's take your body into places of slowness so that we can start reteaching the mind how to slow down. And that's what vacation does but we're not going to always be on vacation. So how can we make this life more sustainable? That's really important. If we want to continue moving on this journey of mental health and spiritual wellness, essentially. And, you know, I have clients that, and I used to struggle with this, with the thoughts of like, I'm, I just, I feel lazy. You know, is it really that I'm listening to my body and that's why I'm resting? Or is it just an excuse and I'm actually lazy? And my answer to that is, you know, what is laziness? What even is laziness? I'm going to look up the official definition of laziness. (laughs) The quality of being unwilling to work or use energy. Idleness. Which is wild. (laughs) That's crazy. We should be able to preserve our energy. Yeah. Like, just be. We are not. We associated that as a really negative character trait when in reality now there's this whole movement when mindfulness is all about. I mean, Thomas Jefferson, idleness, one of our founding fathers, he has this quote that said determined never to be idle. And he is one of our founding fathers. I know he was anxious. (laughs) Yeah, there's no way. There's no way. Well, and so that, you know, we read that and I'm like, okay, like what does laziness even really exist? No, this is another quote or tweet by the Nat Bishop. If you follow Nat Bishop, what did I say? Nat Bishop. I, I, um, if you follow me on Twitter at pretty mental Val, I, my entire timeline is basically like, I am a disciple of the Nat 
bishop. Yeah, we're just here to spread I just love the her. nap bishop. But she said, stop claiming trauma as generational curses. Most of the time, it's simply capitalism, colonization, white supremacy, and sexism. We have been trained to blame systematic fuckery as personal failures. This must stop. Shine light on the systems. Yeah. Yes. That it all goes back to the systems. This is not you. Mm-mm. The the laziness, the guilt, a lot of these feelings. You're just human. You're a human being. Human beings like we do some work and we like to rest. And the people who created these systems are other human beings. They're not God. Mm-hmm. They have just spread the message to other human beings and they spread the message to other human beings. So that's when it became really popular. But that doesn't mean that that's the best way to go. I mean, hello, if it was the best way to go, would we be in the middle of a pandemic and also in the middle of this climate emergency and also in the middle of this civil rights crisis? Exactly. So, no, these people are founding fathers are not that great okay (laughs) the colonizers we need a i mean it was at that time in history it was in their best interest to convince other people that they were enslaving that rest was bad because they were benefiting from it yeah they had to brainwash they had to abuse they had to manipulate in order to get what they wanted and they succeeded and they're still succeeding which is why we have to take it into our own hands just like we have to take our healing journey into our own hands. Yeah, this is why it's so important, little by little by little, you know, because life doesn't, it doesn't really usually turn around overnight. But to start holding a vision and an intention of the kind of work that is genuinely aligned with you and just just to start calling it in, even if you don't know what that is, even if you don't know what that is yet, yet just know that it's possible to move towards that and you just have to start opening up to it because that racing around, there, there's no space for any insights about what is truly in alignment for you to come through. So you start holding that intention. If you're in a company that doesn't treat people like humans and prioritizes production over everything and that's the culture of the company so you've been made to believe that that's normal well allow yourself to hear these messages that there's way more possibilities for the way that we are moving through the world and tons of people are already starting to embody this slower pace of life that prioritizes sustainability over mass profits and that might mean simplifying our lives in some areas but the only reason that we need all this consumerism is because usually we're drained from the go 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 of the machine so then we need to feed back into ourselves by buying and buying 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 so if we just kind of pull out even to just start pulling out just a little bit going for walks sitting in the grass Taking out some color pencils. It makes you feel so whole and so rich. It makes you feel so good. You don't even know that leading a simpler life is rejuvenating. You really don't if you're constantly just in this circle of the next thing, the next thing, or in a job that you don't like waiting for Friday. Well, and it also, it helps you remain a more centered person. Yeah, and our world needs more centered people. You know, if I'm running to to and fro, answering a million emails all the time, when people around me are in distress, I, I'm not going to have space 
to care about them. I'm going to be part of the tornado that they're in. It's just, it just is what it is. And that became super salient for me because after I came back from the trip and I was in the process of kind of like integrating myself back, life loves to throw curveballs. And some people that we really care about were going through a really hard time. And it's interesting because going on that trip beforehand really helped to kind of resource me so that I could stay centered, so that I could you know, not get pulled into the tornado of the experience that they were having while still being able to show up with love for them. And that, all you know, and it, it was, it's a daily practice when someone you care about is going through a hard time. And I'm sure a lot of you can relate to this during COVID times, you know, because a lot of people's life has been thrown upside down. When someone you care about is going through a hard time, it's a really fine balance between continuing to show up with love for them and continuing to be that center and not getting brought up in the tornado of it. You have to have really strong energetic boundaries. I know how I have done that is, and that's, that was a big lesson for me to learn just in life. Because I, when people around me that I love are historically, whenever they went through something, I couldn't help but place myself inside of their bodies. So I would suffer with them. And I'd probably suffer more than them, to be honest. You start imagining like... Because I would start imagining worst case scenarios, how badly they're hurting, how lonely they may feel, how much love they need, you know? It was dramatic. My mind would really actually like go off. So I realized that a really strong way to, to do those energetic boundaries is to just take yourself out of other people's experience. Obviously, don't do this if you're someone who already like lacks a certain level of compassion. Empathy. If you're more towards the narcissistic side of the spectrum, keep an eye on it, right? Like if you, yeah. This is a dance. It's not a one size fits all for any of the advice that we give you guys. You got to be honest with yourself about where you fall on this, right? So if already I struggle with being empathetic, then allow a little empathy in when someone's going through a hard time. It's probably going to help you and you, you are probably already have enough energetic boundaries. We don't need to worry about you getting sucked in. Maybe skip into their experience for <laughs> a whole five minutes and then jump back out just to know. Yeah. But if you struggle with people pleasing and codependency, um, it's important to not jump into their experience so much because we already know that you have a tendency towards being that. So we're not worried about you not showing up. We know you're going to show up regardless. We know you're going to be there. We know that you're going to have some level of empathy for what they're going through without. But but what but the energetic boundaries piece is to be able to do that without getting totally sucked into it to the point that you're equally as depressed and you can no longer even be there for them or you run away because you can't handle it. That's not good either. Right. So when doing the energetic boundaries for me, who I historically, as you guys know, was on the more codependent side, I had to really learn not to jump into other people's experiences and maintain my own center and maintain my own peace, maintain my own peace and live moment to moment being completely in the present moment of of where I was. Right. So like, what am I looking at now? The trees outside my apartment, whatever, being exact and completely present where I am and not thinking about the people I love. What are they going through? What's happening? What's racing through their mind? No, be here so then when you're when you can be with them, you can have really a clear, calm, settled mind. And you can also know that the world is not going to fall apart. No. If you're able to maintain a center. 
the world hasn't fallen apart yet. So even when you're being there for other people, again, we'll continue to have these practices, continue to go on these walks. That's why, especially for therapists, we really cultivate this because that's our profession. That's our offering is that we are there for people on a daily basis is what we do. Uh, But it definitely hits a little different when it's somebody that's close to you. And that's, you know, we've talked about how I people pleasing isn't something that I've really struggled with and codependency, not so much. But I have always had this thing that when people I care about are suffering, like there's a part of me that just turns on immediately and I just can't help but just go be super solid for them. So which is good. That's great. Yeah. I still have to make sure, though, that I'm not getting lost in it. Yeah. I really do. And so like for me, that means allowing myself to feel my feelings because I might feel grief when I see other humans suffering because like, I'm very I'm attuned to the frailty of human life. And it's so tender and it's so beautiful that we can love so much and we can, you know, suffer at the same time and we can grieve and everything that we have will eventually leave and all that. Like it's beautiful. And at the same time, it's very it's very tender. So I have to let myself feel my feelings and sometimes cry on their behalf. And it doesn't mean that I'm sad personally. It just means that like I'm allowing it to move through me like that emotion is moving through me and then simultaneously making intentional room for pleasure. I really respond to pleasure as medicine. That is my new mantra, honestly. Yeah, it makes such a difference. It makes such a difference. Last night, my head was really heavy, so I got out a new canvas and the pastels, and I put it up on my Instagram story. I'm trading my mind for my spirit for a bit. I put on some music, and I just lost myself in art, and it was so therapeutic And you burnt some incense? I burnt some incense, as always, and it was so therapeutic. And then, you know, today I actually woke up, and I was feeling sad, and kind of heavy and kind of dense and I tweeted and I will read you my tweets I said I'm sad today but I'm also thankful thankful that I've committed the last few years to normalizing the wide spectrum of human emotions for myself normalized being human so I can hold space and be gentle with my human on days like today in the Mm. past I would have resisted any pain I would have figured out a way to snap out of it to force myself out of it the Western way, the capitalist, and the hustle culture way. Today, I take the gentle way, the surrendered way, the spiritual human way. Normalize your own sadness, your own grief. Let it pass through. The body is where our trauma is stored. If you don't allow yourself to feel, your body holds on to the trauma, and it will come out sideways in physical manifestations like ailments or emotionally like building more walls. Mm. That's powerful. It's so real because if you don't allow it to pass through you, you're going to pass it on to the people that you love the most and your trauma is going to become their trauma. Mm -hmm. And that's how, you know, generational trauma happens or how we just pass on trauma to the rest of our community if we can't sit with our own with our own stuff. And today, you know, just really acknowledging to myself that, damn, I'm sad. I was okay. I'm like, I'm sad and I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the past, I would feel this heaviness in my spirit and I would just be like fuck this no one talked to me I have very little room for human interaction today I'm gonna lock myself up in my room I don't want to answer any calls any messages that's how I would 
that was my route I would go completely introverted completely internal you know me with my hoodies I would pop my hood up yeah Valentina was the queen of hoodies I still am I'm now I'm more of an inviting hoodie person (laughs) but in the past I was like I made it known whenever I was going through something Mm -hmm. because it was just it's hard it was hard I didn't to me those hard emotions made me feel like the world was not okay and I was not okay. Well, and that was not okay. Well, you know what also matters is that now we are in an environment, you and I, because we coexist together, where if you're sad or I'm sad, it's not a big deal. Like, it's allowed. Yeah. Part of us also learning to kind of drum dramatize, if that's a word, our emotions is because when we were little, we, somebody you show sadness and the adults freak out or even now, like people freak out if they see somebody else that's sad, unless it's somebody that's, you know, further along on their healing and understands this is just an energy movement. Like actually, no, I'm not sad. My body's in the process of healing itself. That's why there's tears coming out. We have to reframe it because I, I was like that too. Whenever I would see people around me being sad you can't help but be like oh no I want to fix it for you I want I want you to be okay I want you to be happy but when you really just start seeing like when you start seeing it as oh this person this human in front of me is going through the stages of grief or whatever they're sad it's okay I'm not scared of your sadness I'm not scared of your sadness I'm not afraid that these emotions are going to fire down the house I don't have to take you out of it. No, like you're allowed to feel it, feel it. I love you. And, and it's good. It's good when you can normalize those emotions because you can, that's when you like the conversation that we were having in the last podcast, that's when you become conscious. These emotions don't become your reality. You're conscious that your human is going through sadness, but you're still a level, uh, there's still a level of separation where it doesn't completely swallow you whole. Also, if somebody panics when they're having these very strong emotions and you sit in front of them and you are like, I'm not scared of your sadness, I'm not scared of your depression, I'm not scared of your tears, go on, like feel them, it's okay. It also helps to reinforce a message back to that person because it's, it's an unexpected, like does not compute. That is not how society normally functions. That's not the typical interaction. So if you do that, suddenly it's 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 an opportunity for a reconditioning. It's an opening. It's like, oh, what? It's okay if I cry. It's okay if I'm doing this. Oh, so this ma- person's not scared of my, you know, my agitation. They're like, just gonna, yeah, maybe I am gonna be okay. And it, I mean, listen, I was a nanny for like five years of my life. I mastered this. And y'all know if you've ever taken care of babies. When a baby falls and scrapes itself, if you make a big deal out of it, mm. the baby will freak out even further. But if the baby falls and there's blood and scrapes himself and you're just like, you're just like, it's okay. You're good. You're good. Then they're like, uh, you know, some might still cry, but some might be like, okay, okay. I'm no, This is not as bad or dangerous as I thought. It's the same thing. So it's that when we are dealing with ourselves and when we are dealing with other people. How much can we show up with an openness towards the full spectrum of emotions and and remind ourselves, too, because, you know, emotions can have a very powerful pull. So remind ourselves that it's moving through me. This is not the way that life is always going to be. And it's important to remember that because 
that way it can just pass through us, but it doesn't have to keep gaining momentum with a story of, oh, now I'm sad, like life is dark, blah, blah, blah. You start buying into it. You can just see there's sadness in me. There's sadness moving through me. There's a part of me is sad. There's another part of me that's a little quieter right now that is all-knowing. There's another part of me that knows how to experience joy. And even if you can, like, dance in the middle of it, embody yourself. I The other day, I just, like, busted out some reggae and started jamming out in the living room. I don't know where you were. And I was just busting it out, just dancing, dancing, dancing. And it's I was thinking of that Maya Angelou poem, that Still I Rise. Um, I don't know. The, I, can't, I can't quote the whole poem, but it's basically, like, I may be go- we may be going through hard times, you know, we may experience grief, we may see sadness, we may see heartbreak, we may see financial challenges, whatever it is, and still I rise. And still through it all, I'm going to dance. And still through it all, I'm going to paint. And make sure you're feeling it too, because I don't want anyone to take that as like, I'm still going to progress and move forward and push on. No, it's a no, dance. It's, just, it's a just dance. Feel it and and embody yourself yeah I mean if the dancing comes in invite the dancing but if it feels like you're forcing it don't do that either I don't know if I could dance in the middle of like crying that's a lot I mean I wasn't (laughs) full on crying yeah but like the grief was there and I was like I can still just kind of like bust out some reggae and close my eyes and just let go yeah and it's nice to show your body that like that's possible even in the middle of it yeah you can have you can have dual states that's that's beautiful because then you're helping it pass through you yeah that's the whole concept of meditation too how people say you know i can't meditate because i have all these thoughts well meditation is being aware of the thoughts and not needing to do anything with them yeah exactly i mean i think all that is it's just how we said in the last podcast like beauty can soften you and pain can soften you this is just they're two sides of the same coin so if you can meet your pain with a little bit of beauty just you're going to that process is going to be a lot more nurturing. Meet your pain with space and beauty. Meet your pain with space and beauty. And for anyone who may be going through anything right now, I will leave you guys with another tweet of mine. When life throws you a curveball, step one, take a deep breath. Two, Bring in loads of self-compassion. Your human is going through a transition. Be gentle. Three, stop trying to form a story around what the future will look like. Four, take a deep breath. Five, take the very next step. Mm. All right, you guys, we love you. Make sure to catch us every Monday at 6 a.m. EST. Peace out, beautiful people. Be kind to yourself. (laughs) Bye.